John chapter 11, we're wrapping up Jesus, the resurrection, and the life. And today, as we wrap this up, we're going to see three different reactions or responses to the raising of Lazarus. Now, we've seen different reactions already. We've seen the reaction of Mary and Martha and the crowds to Lazarus' death. We've even seen Jesus' reaction, his emotional response himself, as he wept for Lazarus but also as he wept for the crowds, as even Austin and I were talking about this this morning, about how Jesus wept, but it wasn't just for Lazarus. It wasn't for his death. It was for having to bring him back to life and back into the sinful world and having then for him to die again. Having for any of us, all of us, to have to live in a sin-filled world when they desire us to be with them. And God still has that desire. And praise Lord for that. He has a desire for us to have a relationship with him. And to live with him for all eternity. Today we'll see three different reactions. But it's not about Lazarus' death. It's about the raising of Lazarus. And within this you'll see this main idea. You see some will always choose to walk away from Jesus. Some will even go as far as speaking against him. Seeking to hurt Christ. Others seek to kill our Jesus. What will you do? How will you live? Yes, today in John 11, as we wrap this final section up, you're going to see the plot to kill Jesus thickens. In fact, in the coming week, in the coming days, Jesus would be arrested and persecuted, but not before withdrawing from public ministry and focusing upon his apostles, his disciples, and giving them more training and, and serving them too. But yes, the days are coming when he would be perse persecuted when he'd be whipped, flogged, and crucified, and brought to death. And it all starts with this today. The plot to kill Jesus thickens. As we read today, I want you to consider this, though. As so many people walk away and seek to hurt our Christ, our Jesus, how do you respond when truth is told to you? When God illuminates the truth in our lives, do we walk away or do we follow? And then how do we support the truth? Because I know some people might think, no, pastor, I would never walk away. I would never deny him. I would never speak against my Jesus. I would never seek to hurt him. But then really, how often do we already do this as we quietly watch others do it? And we don't proclaim what we know to be truth, what we know to be hope, what we know to be joyful. Or also considering this, even... Jesus' own apostles would deny him and walk away from him for a time being. So we must always know that is a possibility. That way we can always be combating that temptation. But let's read first. Let's get into our scripture today. And notice this idea. Notice the three different reactions to the raising of Lazarus. The three different types of people. We'll see the ones who believe immediately. They believe. They walk with Jesus and have eternal life. Then we have the second we have these people that walk away from Jesus. They flee and go to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the chief priests, the members of the Sanhedrin. And then third, we have them. We have the Sanhedrin. We have those Pharisees, Sadducees, the chief priests as they begin this plot. Let's read John eleven forty five to 57 is the focus, but we'll start at verse 39 to remind us of where we've been and bring a little bit of context here. Jesus said, take away the stone. 
Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Now verse 40 says, Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I'm resisting the urge to stop. How often does God, and I shouldn't resist, how often does God say that very thing to us? Did I not tell you if you simply believed, you would see the glory of God? How often do we not see the glory of God because we're failing with our, our measly human minds to just simply believe and follow, to simply look to him, to simply just take those first steps in faith. Instead, we try and control the situations we're in. I was just praying with somebody this morning and talking to him, and I said, I, I, I just prayed that we would try to control what we can control, but what we can't control, let's just give over to God. Believe and see the glory of God. Let's read on. I didn't make it that far yet. Verse 41. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, as much as I want to talk more about that, we've already spent two weeks talking about this part. So we move forward with the plot to kill Jesus beginning. He begins with this, verse 45. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. That's the one reaction. And we'll talk a little bit about this, but we're going to continue on here. Many of them believed, but some of them. If you want to highlight, you can highlight many believed or underline circle, arrow, whatever. And then you can underline this, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Uh, Pastor Tony Evans out of that great state of Texas, when I know some of us like that state, but like Wisconsin better. Um, Pastor Tony Evans wrote that they went and tattled on what Jesus had just done. Can you imagine that? Like childlike actions. They went and tattled on Jesus. Can you imagine that? If I'm going to tattle on Jesus, I'm going to go proclaim what he did in a good way, though, not in a bad way. They went and tattled. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done, but not in a good way. Some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what he had done in order to try to, to give the Pharisees more, more ammo, more weaponry against Christ. Can you believe what he's doing? Because they did not believe. But notice here, they believed. They saw the miracles happening. They could not deny the miracles, the evidence for who he was saying he was and is. But they did not want to believe in his divinity. They didn't want to believe in who he truly was, despite all this right in front of them. So the chief priests and the Pharisees, here's the third crowd here. They gathered the council, the Sanhedrin, and said, what are we to do? In fact, I think the New King James Version here says, what shall we do? I'm getting ahead of myself. I, I can imagine them coming together. What shall we do about this Christ? What shall we do about this Jesus? He's taking our control of the people away. He's inciting all this excitement that's bound to get the attention of the Roman government. 
what shall we do about this problem? Because that's what they thought Jesus was. They thought he was a problem to be dealt with. They say in verse, in verse 47, for this man performs many signs, miracles, great acts. They saw the signs, they saw the miracles, they saw the great acts, but they, they ignored what these great acts were pointing to. He is the prophesied one. He is the Messiah. He is the divine son of God. He is God. Verse 48 says, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, one man comes out and Egypt has the solution and they're all ready to follow. He must have been a great public speaker or something. And it was the wrong man to follow. For he says, you know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it's better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being the high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Notice that, that, that statement there. If you need to underline something else, if you just feel an urge to move that pencil, that pen, that highlighter, you underline from that day on. There's no turning back here. This is the plot to kill Jesus has thickened and it will lead to his death from here on out. From that day on, they made plans to put him to death. They thought, and he came out with this idea, this self-justification idea of, isn't it better for one man to die than for the whole nation to die? And in reality, that was the truth. It was better for Jesus to die than for all God's children to die because Jesus is the one sacrificial lamb that would be enough to atone, to be the substitute for all of our sin. But that's not what he wanted. That's not what he meant it to be. This Caiaphas... This, he meant it to, to just take the government pressure off them and to regain their control of the people. Let's read on. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus, therefore, no longer walked openly among the Jews, but went from there to, re, to the region near the wilderness, to a town called Ephraim. And there he stayed with the disciples. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They're looking for Jesus and saying to one another as they stood in the temple, What do you think? That he will not come to the feast at all? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone knew where he was, he should let them know so that they might arrest him. Thank you for following along with the reading of God's word. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for this word. We thank you for the truth which it holds. And we pray for your continued guidance on us as we talk about it now. May you be glorified and may you work in us to challenge us and to teach us. And it's in your holy and powerful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you. If you're asleep, hopefully you're awake now. Have you ever shared your faith with somebody and you just thought to yourself that, you're, you're just frustrated. You're talking till you're blue in your face. You're debating, you're arguing, you're proving to them all the evidences. You're pointing out all the, all the truth that you know to be true. You're pointing out these great miracles. Jesus, 
He brought the dead Lazarus back to life and he can bring life into you. Life like no other, life like you could have never imagined. But you just continue to get frustrated as you think, how can they not believe? How can, how can these people not see the truth? Well, that's what we see here in this chapter as well. You see, some people do not want to see the truth. And that hurts. That's hard. And I'm sure many of you have seen that, especially as you're talking with your kids. Can't you see the truth of how a clean bedroom is good? Amen, right? You can insert your own story, your own illustration, whatever. But you see, some people would rather continue to walk the wrong way than have to change their way. Some people would rather walk in their own control than giving over control to Jesus. You see, some will always choose to walk away from Jesus. Some even go as far to speak against him, to persecute him, to speak irrefully of him, or try and hurt him, or try and kill him. And I've already focused upon that. What will you do? How will you live? I think today we can also see a different application there. How do we continue to speak the truth? Because many of us, we don't seek, at the very least, we definitely don't seek to walk away to reject him. But we do see that many believed. And I pray that that would be you. I pray that as you read the scripture, you'll be encouraged to see that, yes, some do walk away. Even after seeing these great miracles, even after seeing these great evidences, some will choose to still walk away. And I pray that you would be encouraged by the other group. But some believe. Will you be the ones that believe? This morning, we're looking to the responses of Jesus' miracle, and you can't deny, you can't, you can't ignore the fact that there are three different types of people. You have the group that believed and continued to walk and found life in Christ. Then you have the ones that walked away, tattling, telling the Pharisees, and I pray that that wouldn't be you either. I pray that if you're walking away from Christ, tattling, that it's just a go proclaim of his greatness, but not away from him, with him at your side. Romans 11.33, though, says, Oh, the depths of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. I put that because sometimes we're confused. How can people not see the truth? How can people walk away? How can people continue to walk and give way to the miseries of this world instead of seeing the hope that we can have by following God's way? Just see the truth. There's some things that we'll never know. But our good and sovereign Lord's will and purpose is often beyond our own understanding. But despite this, we can continue to serve him, walk in him. You see, we can rest and be at peace knowing that whatever he does will and have purpose to be will always fit perfectly with his character and for his glory, which is the best for his people and kingdom. You see, God always has a reason for doing what he will. And even though he gives man this way of defying him, what you see in today's scripture is it still works out for his glory, for his purpose, and for his will. And although we don't understand it, that is ultimately what's best. We are here to serve him. We're here to glorify him. We're here to worship him. We're here to do his bidding. And some people don't like that. But as we think about that, I also want you to see that our God is not one who is a God of cruelty and wrath. He's a God of love. And Ephesians 2.1 reminds us that although we were dead in our trespasses, 
It goes on in verse 5 to say that when we were dead in these trespasses, he made us alive. And together with Christ, by grace, we have been saved. Just as Lazarus was raised from the dead, we will be too. But let's get back to our point. Number one, there are mixed reactions to Christ, and there will still continue to be mixed reactions to Christ today. Some will leave not believing they will reject Jesus. I think that's a reality that we have to acknowledge, we have to see. And that doesn't mean that we, that we stop trying. By all means, we keep trying. We keep proclaiming the good news. We keep proclaiming the truth. But don't get so burdened that it takes our focus off of the good news. For it is still good news. There's an application to see with this truth. You see, the, there's an evil plotting which starts happening to Jesus. These Pharisees, these Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they start to plot the death of Christ, all because they don't want to lose control. And that's what happens so much in society today. People do not want to lose control. Just as the Pharisees feared losing control, the Sadducees feared losing control, people fear losing control today. They lose control of doing what they want. They lose control of living how they want. They lose control, they fear losing control of pursuing whatever sinful desires they want. The religious leaders here plotted how to deny Jesus' very existence. They plotted how to kill him. They plotted how to deny his divinity, but are people that much changed today? People plot every day how to deny Christ, his existence, or at the very least, people plot how to deny that he is the son of God. Sadly, I, I have a relative who is that way. He believes in Jesus. In fact, he thinks that Jesus did many great things, but he thinks he was just a good man. But this good man can't save you. Jesus saves you. Romans 11.33 reminds us that God knows all and his ways are unsearchable. The depths of his riches and wisdom is surely inscrutable. And to some, to believers, this is a reassuring thing because we can know without a doubt that even when we don't know what's going on, he does. But to others, the rejectors, those who do not believe, they struggle with this truth because they feel like they're puppets. Well, why does he get to know everything? Why is he in control? Why do I have to serve him? The rejectors, those who leave, those who plot against Jesus. It's a scary thought for them because they want to be in control. But it's in God's control that we truly find peace, not in our own. They fear knowing that they will never be the head honcho. In a world which we're taught from an early age that we want to be the leaders in society when really we need to have all types of people. The rejectors were wise enough, though, here not to start an uproar in the immediate scene. I believe they went out. They go out of that place, and they went to the Pharisees. They went to the Sadducees. They went to the chief priests. They went to them to be able to start telling them all that Jesus had done. This is where the plot to kill Jesus begins to thicken. Moving forward, let's read this. Verse 48, 47 and 48 says this. The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered the council and said, what are we to do? 
For this man performs many signs. And if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. Have you ever heard of a come to Jesus meeting? This was a come against Jesus meeting. Let's all gather together. I mean, it wasn't just a few friends. They gathered the council. And this council would be comprised not just Pharisees, but Pharisees and Sadducees. The chief priests, the entire Sanhedrin council would be joining together for something that they did not do very often. In fact, Pharisees, Sadducees, they did not see eye to eye on many things, but they saw eye to eye on this one thing. What are we to do about Jesus? And again, note, they fully recognized Jesus was doing miraculous signs. And the the crazy thing is the very purpose of these signs were to point to who Jesus is. But that's what they denied. There's huge application here. I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my life that I just think when I'm sharing my faith with somebody, I wish I just had one more piece of evidence to give them. I wish I just had more knowledge, more wisdom. Or maybe you think, I just wish Jesus was here today to do this one miracle that they would not be able to deny. But here the plot to kill Jesus thickens despite the fact that Jesus just did one of the greatest miracles ever and brought the dead back to life. You see, sometimes it's not about more evidence. It's not about more miracles. It's about simply the Holy Spirit working upon people's hearts, softening it and bringing them to him. I got a couple quotes I want to read to you this morning. This from uh, Dr. J. Vernon McGee's John chapters 11 to 21 through the Bible. I always have a few people when I read these are like, yes, I love J. Vernon McGee. Just like when I read John MacArthur or Adrian Rogers or Charles Stanley or any of those other great guys. I won't read Joel Osteen. Okay, somebody laughed. That's good. Um, Let's read this. You see, some people, miracles, more evidence, it's not what they need. And he says this. People complain that the crowd isn't going after Jesus. Friend, it never did. He died. He was buried and he rose again from the dead. And that is the gospel. We don't need another miracle. The problem is not in the lack of evidence. The problem is the unbelief of man. John eleven forty seven. 47, he says, it says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we do? For this man doeth many miracles. And I end with this quote. He says, You can see here the problem for these bloodhounds of hate was not a lack of, ev- of evidence. His enemies said, He doeth many miracles. They saw the miracles. They could not deny the miracles. But some people do not want the truth. They just want to simply continue living in their own version of reality. What version of reality will we live in? What version of reality will we proclaim? Will we proclaim the one truthful reality that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is God. These, back to the point, the plot thickens. And they ask, what are we to do about this Jesus? Now, again, one other commentator who I greatly agree said this, what are we to do about this Jesus? How about simply repent and believe and follow after him and receive the eternal life and joy and hope which he freely gives? 
Well, that's not what they did. Another one stated with this, what are we to do about Jesus? He stated, why do anything at all? Just simply look to him and follow him. But they feared what it would mean to him. This all came down to fear. They feared what the Romans would do to their, to their structure they had about them, the control they had. We talked about this already, but notice this. Their unbelief is truly the source of their fears. It is belief in Christ that it is in belief in Christ that one truly realizes that there is nothing to fear at all, though. In truly believing, didn't we say at the very beginning of this, Jesus quoting, that if you simply believed, you would see the glory of God. That's the true source of their fears. If they would truly simply just believe, they would see all they needed to see. But in their ignorance and lack of belief, they led themselves through their eventual downfall and final destination of hell. And this shouldn't be that surprising considering we know from Ephesians 4, 18, which says of the unbelieving that they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. And that is why the best thing we can continue to do here is continue to believe, continue to walk, continue to proclaim, but don't miss this fact. Pray for the Holy Spirit's working upon people's hearts. As we continue, continue to consider that people always, there's, there's some people that will always choose to walk away. We should be always praying for God to soften hearts and bring them to him. You see, in this plot to kill Jesus, Caiaphas comes on the scene. He reprimands them all, all and quickly brings about an agreement with the council. Well, isn't it better for one man to die than for all of the nation to perish? Isn't it better for this one man just to take the blame? How about you? Why don't you, you just take the blame so that we all can continue on in our nice lifestyles and with the control and keeping the pressure of the Roman government off of us? But really, and this leads into this next point, in all, God's sovereign control is still seen and comes to be. You see, really, this, this crazy thought that Caiaphas had, it's better for one man to die. Let Jesus die so that we can continue on. Well, first of all, it's actually what led to their downfall. But secondly, this is what God really needed to happen anyways. Sometimes we get so burdened by seeing what's happening in the world and we think there's so much evil. But do not lose sight or, or understanding that even in all the evil that's happening around you, God will still be glorified and God will still use it all for his ultimate purpose and glory. His will will still always come to be. God used this counsel, their will, their evil plotting to accomplish his ultimate goodness and perfect plan for humanity's redemption. What man means for evil, God uses for his glory and will. From the very beginning, all of this would be used to bring about God's will. You see, these people, they were acting in a way to bring about their own best interest. They were acting in a selfish way, yet God was doing something else with it entirely. God can use even the greatest evils of this world to accomplish his great will and glorious plan. And he will, he will. We see this numerous times in scripture, let alone our own lives. 
Herod was a wicked king who committed horrific acts of evil, and yet God uses him to fulfill his own prophecies. Satan uses Judas, yet God uses him greater to still bring about his purpose, his prophecy, his will. Yes, Judas betrayed Christ, yet it would all be used to bring about God's plan. Here's another application which can come about through this. You and your past are never too evil to be redeemed and used for God. His will, his purpose, his kingdom, and to help lead people to Jesus for the redemption and peace they need. So don't be afraid to be used by Jesus. Don't be afraid to be used by Christ. Don't put up boundaries. Don't put up walls. Don't put up brick walls to try and keep people from seeing your past. It's when we get real with people and they see that despite your own evil, God still chose to forgive you and use you and bring you into his everlasting life and future. That's what brings people. God can use you. Allow this to propel you forward to a better life, one which is submitting to God in fullness, not one which continues to run. You see, I, I asked you at the beginning, Will you be one that flees? Will you be one that walks away? And we all want to say, no, we would never do this. But God's calling all of us to let him use us. Let me use all of you. And anytime we put up that wall, we're walking away from what he wants us to do. We're rejecting him. We're walking away from him. He says, he says, let me use you. I, I created you exactly how you are, and I want to use you. I want to use your emotions. I want to use your past. I want to use your present. I want to use your entire being. Don't be afraid of, of letting me use you, for I will equip you to be what I need you to be. God will use even the worst things of the world for his glory and purpose and to bring about his will. And as bad as that sounds, sometimes that's us. Sometimes that's you. Because some of us, I know, we think we are the worst things in this world and we don't desire any, we don't deserve anything. But God still uses us. God uses the ordinary things of this world to do extraordinary things for him and his purpose. Let's move forward as we work to start wrapping up. Let this soak in. If God's sovereignty can do all of this, with Caiaphas and this council and this great evil to plot the, the killing of our Lord Jesus, just think about what he can do with you. I want to at least think that none of you have come up with this great plot to speak against and kill Jesus. God used them. He can use you too. Also see this. Jesus was not unaware of the council's plan or what awaited him. He went off. He left the public eye for a moment and he focused upon those close to him. Jesus wasn't afraid. He rested in the sovereign plan of God. And we can too. Rest in God's plan, even when everybody seems like they're against you. Rest in him. We don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds it. And he loves us and will do what is right for his will, glory, kingdom, and people. Trust in him and his sovereign will. And then remember this. Although some people will always choose to walk away, you don't have to and you shouldn't. Abide in him. 
There will always be those who leave, those who reject Christ and his teachings and ways, but you who claim to believe, let's show it. Let's live in it. Let's proclaim it. Proclaim him, proclaim his ways, teach his ways through your ways and keep believing and communing with Jesus. Here's another final application. Those who stay, follow, and believe in Christ as Lord should not want to be in control. We shouldn't fear losing control. For when we're in control, we often struggle, we stumble, we fall. But when we come, when we give him control, he lifts us up, he teaches us, he guides us, and he makes us more like him. Submit to Jesus' control. Remember, he is the resurrection and the life. And we'll all be raised to him someday. Let me close and we'll have one final song. And then I'd like to invite Caleb Clements after that song up to talk about the camp he's been serving at. And then you can all take the pleasure of cookies on the way out too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for you never gave up on us. And Lord, I just think about this scene. You just brought Lazarus back to life. And yet still some did not believe. Still some walked away. Still some walked away and even tried to create this and, and did create a great uprising against you and plotted, thickened this plot to kill you. And yet you still didn't give up. You didn't say, well, so be it. I'm, I'm good with just um, on my own. No, you said, it's okay. I'm still going to die for all of you. Even in your sin, I will show you the great love we have for you. And you were a substitutionary atonement for sin that we needed. And we thank you that still to this day, we can confess Jesus is the Lord and find life for all of eternity. Our trespasses, our sins can be forgiven in Jesus. Lord, even though people walk away, we pray that you would help us continue to focus upon you, continue to believe and walk and abide with you in all things. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray, all God's people said, amen. Please stand. Let's sing this final song.